with two new hires in the Big Ten, could it be that every school in the conference has found its guy? You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Nate Dickinson. Thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. Coming up on today's program, I want to take a look at all the coaches in the Big Ten because I initially wanted to make a segment about, okay, who's next on the hot seat? Who is the next one out with new coaches coming into the conference? But then I kind of realized that close to everyone I feel like is pretty confident with who they have. We're going to take a look at all of the rankings top to bottom as to who is most least safe in their current situations around the conference. Also, later on today, big win for Indiana men's basketball yesterday, a big game coming up for Indiana women's basketball today. We've got Jacob Rudin from Locked On Hoosiers to talk about those matchups and his takes on the start of the Big Ten basketball season, too. That's all coming up here on today's Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. The Twitter is at Nate with Sports. The show, Twitter, YouTube, and also wherever you get your podcasts is at Locked On Big Ten. That's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. Let's dive right into everything we need to get into with these 14 Big Ten football coaches. As I mentioned, I wanted to do a hot seat segment, take a look at who was going to be the next coach out. But as you take a look up and down the roster, I don't know if there's a clear-cut bottom of the barrel here. As we'll get into, there's plenty of coaches who have not been having great years, but even some of those, I feel like people are pretty confident in their abilities as just a coach and where they're at with the program. So let's start by just narrowing down the field a little bit. We'll, of course, take out the two new head coaches. Matt Rule is brand new, and Luke Fickle is brand new at Nebraska and Wisconsin. They're exempt from these rankings right now. They've got the clean slate. The safest job in all of the Big Ten, of course, is Jim Harbaugh's with Michigan. Second year in a row defeating Ohio State. It's pretty impressive how quickly that tide can turn and the attitude on you can turn when you end up beating your big rival in the biggest rivalry, maybe in all college football, but certainly in all of the Midwest. Next up, I've got Kirk Ferentz with Iowa. Been there forever. Once again, even after a disastrous start, showed that he's still got what it takes to have his team ready to win the Big Ten West whenever that time comes. So we'll see what happens when the divisions go away, but for now, Kirk Ferentz has as secure a job as anyone in college football. That's why he's been at Iowa longer than anyone has been at a school as far as active coaches go. Third up, Jeff Brom for Purdue. Just an outstanding season, of course, culminating in its first Big Ten championship game coming up this weekend. You can't ask anything more out of what Jeff Brom has done this season. The goal was get to this game. He got there. He's good. Next up, I have James Franklin. Maybe a little bit of some wavering after last season, but another 10-win year. The defense seems to be going well again with Manny Diaz there. It looks like he's going to be just fine with Penn State. At the bottom of my safest of safe category is Ryan Day with the Ohio State Buckeyes. If he had beaten Michigan, you put him at the top of this list. He lost to Michigan for the second straight season, so he goes at the bottom of the coaches who have, of course, nothing at all to worry about 
Ryan Day is going to be just fine. If he keeps losing to Michigan, then we'll have that conversation. But otherwise, he's done plenty to prove that he can lead this team to greatness. My next tier is obviously not coaches who I think are on the hot seat, really. Or really even coaches in any sort of danger, I think, of losing their fan bases at the moment. But at the very least, they're not at the top of the top right now in the Big Ten. Starting off with Brett Bielema. I mean, second-year head coach, could you ask for any more out of the guy? Had this team ranked, had this team in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West, had this team almost upsetting the still-undefeated Michigan Wolverines, closest anyone's gotten to beating Michigan. Uh, Brett Bielema, former Big Ten coach, back in the Big Ten with Illinois. Everyone's loving him right now over in Champaign. After that, I put down P.J. Fleck, guy at Minnesota who has still yet to beat Iowa. But aside from that, that's really the only thing that's holding him back from being maybe the best coach in the Big Ten West right now. I mean, if he had beaten Iowa in a couple of seasons, not only would he have a couple of Big Ten championship game appearances under his belt, but he also would have the Floyd of Rosedale that Minnesota has not gotten under his tenure. But he beats Wisconsin, which is the big thing you need to do. And it's two years in a row for him now, having beaten the Badgers and taken home Paul Bunyan's axe. It's the thing that Minnesota fans care most about other than, of course, Big Ten championships. It's beating Wisconsin and then beating Iowa. That's what matters. P.J. Fleck is yet to do the one, but he's still doing the other and maybe more important one of them. So P.J. Fleck's certainly just fine with what he's doing. After this, I have Mike Loxley of Maryland. Uh, I don't know how much time he's bought with this good season, but he's gotten himself, I think, to a point where at the very least Maryland believes in the program he can build. I think Maryland fans understand that there could be a pretty decent step back once Talia Tungavelloa does leave this program. But I believe that at least with what Loxley has done, he has earned the benefit of the doubt of at least being able to say, okay, let's give this guy another full chance to build a program again. Into the bottom of the pack we go, and this is where I start to get into, like I'll mention, I don't even think any of these names are really even on the hot hot seat. I think we've gotten rid of the coaches we're going to get rid of, and the Big Ten got rid of them early. But these are the coaches who are at least not trending in the right direction. I'll start with Mel Tucker. Um, Mel Tucker is not on the hot seat. He signed a 10-year contract. It's a whole lot of money that Michigan State would have to pay him to not coach if they wanted to get rid of him anytime soon. So, all the face is still with Mel Tucker. I think that I think that the fan base agrees that he's still the guy right now. I mean, you beat Michigan a couple of times, that will do it for you. So he's going to be just fine. But with what Michigan State did this season, I'd be worried about where the Spartans are headed for the next couple of years at the very least. The same goes for Pat Fitzgerald, a guy who I think Northwestern fans still believe in. If you're a Northwestern fan, you cannot take for granted the fact that he brought you to a Big Ten championship game not too many years ago still. But again, the team's going in the wrong direction. The magic that he had on that team a couple of years ago seems to not be translating to this new and improved maybe generation of players that he's supposedly bringing in. He's had good recruiting classes. He's had a reason for this team to be a little bit better. They just haven't gotten quite back to that hilltop that, of course, they want to be at at the top of the Big Ten West. Next up is Tom Allen out of Indiana. This is a guy who, again, I think the people in Bloomington still believe in. And, and I didn't ask Jacob Root about it in the conversation we're going to have here, but 
i think that this is still something that people around the program are having faith in him being able to build the team and when you get to this category of coaches when you're talking about mel tucker pat fitzgerald uh, tom allen these are the kind of coaches who when you're looking at it they're at the bottom of the conference with what they're doing right now as far as where their team's at and what they're going to be in the next few years but i still in a weird way feel like their fan bases and the schools still have the confidence that they're going to be able to get the job done and it's a unique situation because none of these coaches that we're talking about tucker allen fitzgerald none of them are having success right now but they've had that really early success to earn the trust and get maybe some extra years that they wouldn't have gotten had that success not been there indiana had its good season michigan state has had its good seasons and gotten its good wins northwestern has had its great season so when you're with one of those teams that's looking all the way up at michigan and ohio state and you're trying to think okay who can be the guy to bring us to the next level it makes sense that you want to hold on to these guys who've even shown just a little grain of salt of, of uh, some sort of good coaching because they've gotten the job done before and i think right now more than ever big 10 teams even at the bottom of the conference are feeling more secure about where their head coaches are going to take them even if they can't quite see the path to it just yet uh, with that i'll get to the bottom coach on my list greg Schiano of rutgers and another story here well he's going on a third straight season of not having a great great team at rutgers and struggling to really really compete in the big 10 but i do feel like rutgers fans are starting to see at least where he's getting the team better and he still has his job so it's like what why is that it's only been three years but we've seen college football coaches fired before for less and i think there really is a top to bottom belief in all of the guys that the big 10 has right now i mean of course scott frost was the odd man who had to go to really really get us close to that but when you look up and down at the end of the season i feel like everyone's just saying okay let's gear up and get ready to go again instead of what you might normally see when you're looking at some of these teams that only won one two big 10 games this season coming up in a minute we're going to talk to jacob rude get over to the basketball side of things and go over the indiana hoosiers big win over north carolina last night also the indiana women take on the tar heels today it's going to be a tight matchup between two top six teams in the country and IU suffering some injuries of course leading into it we'll get into who steps up without Graceberger out there for the Hoosiers before we do any of that though a reminder that bet online is our place to go for any of our sports betting needs and it should be yours too if you head on over to bet online and get yourself signed up you can make sure that you're getting all the information that you need at the right price as well with all the best odds and most odds that you can find while also making sure that you have the security and knowledge of everything going on leading up to the game with the information that bet online gives you head on over to bet online right now to see more of what i'm talking about it's bet online where the game starts you're tuned in to Locked On Big Ten alongside Jacob Rude, the host of Locked On Hoosiers, here to help us break down some of the start of the Indiana basketball season and a big game coming up on the women's side here today. I'm Nate Dickinson here on Locked On Big Ten. All right, Jacob, let's talk about this Hoosier basketball team. It's still undefeated, but maybe faced its first real, real test last night in the Tar Heels in North Carolina. 
what do you make out of how they were able to pass that test and get what was a pretty convincing wire to wire win? Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of focus on this being, like you said, that, that first really big test, the Xavier road game earlier in the season um, was kind of that, but this was certainly uh, a much higher caliber opponent. And yeah, they, they passed that, that test um, maybe with flying colors. It, it was a very controlling win, even if it was a, I think the final margin ended up being 12 points, but it never really felt in that second half, like IU was very much in danger. Um, a lot of that was due to the defense that they played throughout the night that was, you know, suffocating, whatever kind of adjective you want to use there. But UNC struggled all night long shooting the ball. And then when you have someone like Trace Jackson Davis, he's going to keep you in most games as well. So uh, it was a, an impressive win. And and yeah, the first real test I use face this season, they're going to get a, a couple more big ones here in the next couple of weeks, but uh, they passed the one uh, on Wednesday night with, with flying colors, I think. How has that defense looked? It was a strength last year. You've got Trace Jackson Davis back, so you know he's going to be a good anchor in there. But uh, what have you seen, I mean, with you just giving the shout out there in particular at UNC and then just starting things off? Is things going to be that good on the defensive side again? Yeah. It, that was kind of the calling card, like you said, last season under Mike Woodson was a strong defense this season. Um, I mean, I, you hadn't really played a whole lot of teams. The the very beginning of the schedule was pretty soft. We, we saw what looked to be a really good defense and that showed itself again on Wednesday. I think the difference between last year's defense and this year's last year relied a lot on Trace Jackson Davis to be a rim protector. And this year, He's still capable of doing that, but I was able to kind of push their pressure out all the way to midcourt at times. And you saw that last night where their on-ball pressure uh, is is really greatly improved this season. And uh, it allows them to get up and guys force them to to start the offense at, at midcourt. And you saw in that first half, there was kind of a sequence where they're able to create turnovers in the backcourt, get out and run. Uh, they finished with 17 points off turnovers to um, UNC's four. So, and, and they had 12 fast break points to UNC's five. So, I think both those were kind of indicators of uh, IU getting or being able to to force turnovers. And when they do that, they can get out on the break a little bit. They're not going to be a team that plays super fast, but when they can create those live ball turnovers, they they typically want to push it up court and take advantage of that opportunity and they were able to do that last night and it's because that that on-ball defense is is turned into a pretty big strength for IU this season all right so as you look at that team that's one of those things you mentioned Trace Jackson Davis just being able to shift over a little bit that's one of those things that really helps your team step up another level is when you have those guys who can do anything who can go sit down inside inside and be a post protector there but you're able to then put them in where they would ideally like to be. That's one of those things that really brings a team to the next level. And I think one of those things that is a reason why IU has been off to such a good start and had such of those good projections at the start of the year. Uh, tell me a little bit more about these freshmen here, Jacob. Malik Renew and then also Jalen Hutchifino. I mean, we've seen a little bit of how they've contributed just by looking at the box scores. 
but how are they fitting in here as they start their college careers and start to figure out how they involve themselves in a top 10 team? Yeah, I mean, if Wednesday was the first time you were tuning into IU, it was a little bit of a role reversal. Jalen hood Shafino looked fantastic on Wednesday, especially in that first half. Uh, he really carried IU through stretches and got off to a really hot start. Uh, six of 10 shooting, two of three from three, 14 points. What he's done, fantastic, great, all, all season long has been impacting the game, not necessarily through his scoring. He was in a shooting slump coming into Wednesday and really broke out of that, but his ability to run an offense, to play make, to rebound, uh, he's part of that that strong perimeter defense that Indiana has as well. Uh, so he's been able to, to um, impact games in a lot of different ways. And that's been really helpful because, like I said, until last night, he was kind of mired in a shooting slump a little bit. He broke out of that in a big way. It, it had really been Malik Renew, and uh, the story had been a lot about him in terms of the freshman coming into last night's game. He's been unbelievable. Uh, there had been a lot of hype about Jalen hood Shafino as the, the freshman coming into the starting rotation or the starting lineup, I should say. Malik had had been like unbelievable. Like it was hard to put into words how good he had been through uh, the first uh, two, three weeks of the season because uh, he was coming off the bench, but he was still getting big minutes. He closed that game against Xavier alongside Trace Jackson Davis struggled a little bit on Wednesday. He was only one of six. He still had a couple moments where, I mean, he is a freshman ultimately, and these are some, some tough games he's playing in, but both these guys have, kind of seamlessly fit into the rotation. And I think those two are a big reason why IU is, is different and better than last season. They provide a, they're two more very talented players that, that provide more kind of balance to IU's offense so that it isn't really solely reliant on Trace Jackson Davis, like it was for large stretches last season. Uh, they're, they're still kind of learning and it, it's still a process as it would be with any freshman early in the season but they both have now had pretty big moments and pretty big games that kind of show you why they were so highly touted and why this could be both of them could be big factors in IU season. Jacob Rue joining us here from Locked On Hoosiers to talk some basketball with us before we move on Jacob I gotta ask Purdue the other team the big rival in Indiana I, that team a lot better than we thought it was going to be at the start of the season, for sure, looking like the top five ranking that they've got right now. Uh, I, I think right now I can pretty definitively say, at least at the moment from what we've seen, this rivalry is the top two teams in the Big Ten at the moment. Uh, what do you make out of the Boilermakers? Yeah, I, I thought they'd be good. I, I, I wasn't expecting this. This is It was really impressive uh, what they did up in the Northwest against Gonzaga, against Duke. They've had a a hell of a schedule to start the year and they're they're passing all the tests with flying colors it's a a team that has a of i would say i'm trying to think of the word probably maybe the most complete team offense and defense in the big 10 um they're able to do just about anything obviously pretty much all of it starts with zach Eady, uh, who has been fantastic this season um and Purdue just keeps churning out these these huge big men that uh, are able to impact the game in, in a number of ways. He's the latest among them. Um, this has been a, a really 
impressive start for them. Like I said, I thought they'd be good. We spent time talking uh, during the preseason, kind of coming into this year, who would be the, the top contenders with IU. I didn't necessarily have Purdue penciled in because I still had um, kind of questions about them and how they replaced a lot of the talent that they lost. But, I mean, they've answered those questions pretty loudly and pretty definitively through the first you know, two, three, four weeks of the season. And yeah, this is, it's, it's going to be fun uh, watching these two teams. Cause it certainly seems like they're on a collision course for, for early February when they meet uh, in assembly hall and they look right now, like you said, the two best teams in the big 10. All right, Jacob. Uh, while IU men's played a really big game against North Carolina, there's maybe a bigger one as far as just national stage goes between Indiana and North Carolina on the women's side coming up here later today. Two top six teams in the country right now. What is this Indiana women's team? I mean, we know they're good. They've been good for a while. Big Ten's maybe better than it's been in a really long time, too. We've had those discussions as they get ready for a huge, huge matchup in this ACC Big Ten Challenge, last one for them too. What are the keys to getting this win, and what have been the keys to them starting off so hot? Well, it's a – the big story surrounding the women's team, unfortunately, is injury. Grace Berger, who – one of the top players in the Big Ten in the country, uh, guard for Indiana, went down in Las Vegas with – it seemed like a really serious knee injury. She's being – kind of uh, designated as day-to-day, but out indefinitely. She's not going to play on Thursday. We're not really sure how long she's going to be out. It doesn't seem necessarily like a short-term thing. And, I mean, she did a little bit of everything for Indiana this season, the last couple seasons. Uh, So it's going to be a matter – this is their first real big test without her. They played a couple games in Vegas uh, without her against Auburn and Memphis, but it's a whole different – ball game against UNC on Thursday. Mackenzie Holmes then is going to be the focal point more, even more than what she has been. She's averaging 20 points on seven and a half rebounds. She's shooting 76.6% from the field, which I had to check the math and make sure that that was right. And it is, she is uh, only missed 18 shots in seven games all year. And four of them were three pointers. She's a, a post player that can, score with either hand and do just about anything in the paint. And she's been dominant this season. I use going to look to her more. They have some more depth this year than they did in previous years. But in that depth is going to be kind of challenged with, with having to replace grace. Sarah Scalia is a transfer from Minnesota that uh, is second on the team in scoring. And then Yarden Garzon is a freshman came in unheralded from Israel. Nobody knew a lot about her and has stepped in and just hit the ground running to say the least 12.9 points per game, shooting 52% from the three point line. Um, A couple of new additions to this IU roster proving to be really valuable um, players so far. So it's going to be a matter of, of playing through McKenzie Holmes even more so uh, on Thursday than they have this season. And then kind of relying on some of those depth pieces around, around her to absorb the loss of Grace Berger. This is still a really talented team and one that I think can beat UNC and can compete with, with the top teams in the country, even without grace. 
but we're going to know kind of more definitively after Thursday if that's the case. All right, Jacob, uh, one more thing I'm sure you talked about on the show, and be sure to subscribe to Locked On Hoosiers. Uh, just how bad was everything that went down in Las Vegas? Oh, yeah, we we talked uh, quite a bit about it. It was a, it's a, um, it's a shame that that it it played out like it did. Um, if you guys haven't looked into it, it's on ESPN. It's on Indy Star. There's multiple stories about it. There, I think the one that that's kind of stuck out to me just as uh, uh, kind of a, a small anecdote of how poorly run it was is that they were asking uh, the players to bring towels down from their room because they weren't providing towels at the venue, at the court and whatnot. Yeah. it. I mean, Terry Morin talked a lot about it and gave some really strong quotes about it, about how simply because of how viral it went, that it set the game back a little bit for the women's team. And I mean, it's a challenge to, to it's an unfair challenge, but it's a challenge the women's, programs have to face in trying to push the game forward and when you have situations like this with tournaments like this that um it's it's hard to even really understand what went on and why the the tournament played out like it did in terms of the directors letting it be like this but when you have situations like that it does it, it's frustrating because that's what goes viral and that's what you see and and you want women's basketball to go kind of viral for all the good things so it was frustrating disappointing um like you like you said we talked a lot about it and this women's team all the women's teams at that tournament deserved better I hope there's some kind of of repercussions for it I, I don't really know what you can do but um it it was it was a, a frustrating experience to have to kind of witness from afar because it was hard to really get any details in the moment. You could just see that, that things weren't going well and uh, trying to piece everything together. And yeah, it, it was a, a, a shame and a uh, just not a fun experience. I agree. If you want to hear more on all that, as you heard, Jacob said, they talked about it plenty over on Locked on Hoosiers. And of course, he's there to keep you up to date on anything that goes on over on campus in Bloomington too. It's every single weekday, just like we do it here. And thank you again, Jacob, for taking some time to talk to us here on Locked On Big Ten. Yeah, anytime. Thanks again to Jacob Rude for joining us on the show. Again, listen in to Locked On Hoosiers and every single other Big Ten podcast out there. Apologies if the video was a little bit shaky. If you were listening and watching on YouTube, you should subscribe to our YouTube, Locked On Big Ten 1-0. A little bit of a shakeup. I think it was on my end that we're going to be able to fix, of course, soon. So, don't get used to that problem if you saw a big one on the YouTube video. Anyway, let's wrap things up with all the news that's going on around the Big Ten. And the first is with the expanded playoff. It could be coming sooner and is now officially coming sooner than we first thought it might be. The Rose Bowl has signed off on the agreement, which was whatever agreement they needed to, to get this thing officially expanded to 12 teams by the 2024 season. So that means that next year, not this upcoming playoff, but the next college football playoff will be the last one where we see only four teams. So we got this one, then the next one, and then after that, we won't have to worry about whether it'll be one or two Big Ten teams in. We'll hopefully be worrying about if it'll be three or four or something like that. Uh, anywho, playoffs expanding. We knew that. Now we know it's coming sooner. 
In other news, not a great day off the field for Big Ten football. Uh, Michigan's Massey Smith is facing a felony charge of carrying a concealed weapon. That report was filed on Wednesday after an incident stemming on October 7th in Ann Arbor. And also rough news out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Mickey Joseph arrested yesterday on charges of domestic assault and strangulation. Again, not a perfectly bright day for Big Ten football news. In some other news, reportedly Ohio State wide receiver coach Brian Hartley is interviewing for the open Cincinnati job. He has only coached Ohio State since he started coaching in 2017, obviously played with Ohio State as well in the 2008 BCS national title game too. So he's only known Buckeyes. He actually did tweet out just a little bit before starting here with the recording that he is fully committed to Ohio State at the moment. So putting some quieting down to those rumors for now. Uh, Finally, the Rose Bowl, as it signs on to get into this 12-game playoff, 12-team playoff, is also in the headlines a bit around Big Ten circles, as it looks like if Ohio State is left out of the college football playoff, the Rose Bowl would instead choose to take Penn State over the Buckeyes for their bid. It's Of course, not set in stone. The Rose Bowl is allowed to take whoever they want with this selection out of the Big Ten. But with the first choice, you usually take the best team. That would be the Buckeyes, but Ohio State played in it last season. This would be their third time in the last five games playing in the Rose Bowl if they ended up getting this bid. No other team would have played in it more than once. So there's rumors that Rose Bowl could be taking Penn State. There's also rumors that Ohio State has told the Rose Bowl that they would rather not go and go to the Orange Bowl this season. So looks like it could be Penn State headed to the Rose Bowl no matter what happens with Ohio State in the college football playoff. So we'll, of course, keep an eye on that. And that's all the news for the day. All sorts of stuff going on around the Big Ten. Some of it not so good today, unfortunately, but other big news surrounding the future of college football, too. We'll get into anything else that happens throughout the day in the Big Ten, of course, and anything else you need to know in conference news next time we're back here on Locked On Big Ten. We're going to wrap up the week, of course, tomorrow with the new show, and then we'll be back over the weekend reacting to the Big Ten championship game and anything else going on in Big Ten basketball over on the YouTube page at Locked On Big Ten. That's 1-0 at the end, again, not T-E-N when you're typing it out. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. I'll talk to you again next time on Locked On Big Ten.